You are now tuned in to the December 26er podcast, where we encourage you to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. What's up, 26er family? Welcome to another episode of the December 26er podcast. I am your host, Delisha, and this is a very special show. First and foremost, we have our producer on air once again, Demarcus Adisa. What's up? Hey, hey, hey. How you doing? I'm all right. You know, I'm a little little tired, but what's new? I think you said that every episode you've been on this year. Um, Yeah, no rest for the weary. But outside of that, um, this is, I guess, another episode of Extraordinary Occurrences, but it also happens to be our 100th episode. Facts. We made it. We made it to triple digits. I really like, I can't believe it. It really blew by pretty quick. It's hard to believe we've been doing this for two years. Yeah. Started in the same very spot that we're sitting. Literally started in the same spot. Um, We thought long and hard about what to do for this episode. Oh, should we try to get a really well-known big name? Should we do just a compilation episode with clips of previous guests? Should we do another event like we did for the one-year anniversary? Um, And we just decided just to bring it back to us and sort of take you guys behind the podcast a little bit. So we asked some of our faithful listeners and friends to send in questions that they wanted answered. And we jotted down some questions that we have for each other. And we are just going to freestyle it in celebration of what we've accomplished and what is to come. We're taking some time to reflect and let you guys in a little bit more on the inner workings of the December 26er podcast. Hey, I wish I had a flex bomb. It felt like... (laughs) (laughs) So where do you want to get started? There's so many questions to ask. Let's start off with something interesting. What do you hate the most about podcasting? Mm. Because we do it so much at this point. It's a job. Like It is a job. It is a job. It's a part of our lifestyle at this point, who we are. Um, I'm, I don't know. I'm pretty sure you like me. It's always on the front of your mind. You always think, like, oh, this person would be a good guest. Every every good person I meet. So yes. since it's such an integral part of your life at this this point, like, what do you know? We know what you like about it, obviously, but what can you not stand about podcasting? So what I absolutely loathe about podcasting is how, especially on the days that we record, how all of the puzzle pieces have to fit together seamlessly for the show to actually go off seamlessly. We have to record five episodes. So we all know, right, that being in a, a major city all kinds of things happen, like train issues, traffic, et cetera. So um, little known secret, even though our episodes are basically between an hour to an hour and 15, we have those longer ones that happen every once in a while. Um, for the most part, we try to stick to that like hour mark around there. So we book guests on two hour intervals. So we build in the buffer so that we're not rushed. But without fail, something happens that puts us behind schedule. Always. Literally every recording day that we have, something goes down where we're so far behind schedule that we never get to eat lunch. We don't get to take a break. I often don't even get to like 
take a moment to reread my notes for the next guest because somebody showed up 45 minutes late or there's a production challenge Challenge. or something else has happened. We're like, we're like, okay, we got to go. Like we got to go. And then, you know, before we know it, it's a 16 hour day or whatever it is by the time we actually get home and get something to eat after starving all day. So that's what I hate. Just trying to get it, get the day to go off without a hitch. What about you? Um, I would agree with every point. Um, I'd also say just the pre-production. I mean, a lot of people don't realize pre and post everything it takes that goes into running a show um, and putting things together and providing content. Um, and a lot of times, you know, you speak to, you, I have, I'll have an initial conversation with someone about the show and about being a guest and they're like, cool, let's book it. Come on, let's go. And it's like, it doesn't work like that Mm -hmm. like they people a lot of times like you know don't realize like we have a a process about how we go about things and a structure process and it's a proven process that works and you know you ask them if they'd like to be a guest and they just want to circumvent all that and like i'm available this day and this day and this day to record and i'm like no, we have to have a preliminary conversation because we only record once a month. And if it doesn't work out, you know, we'll go to the next month. So that's probably the most annoying thing. Um, people just not acknowledging our process and what we have going on and just kind of wanting to move in and do their own thing. You know, right. Mind them like, Mr. Miyagi. So if y'all didn't know, Delisha and I love the Karate Kid. Um, and we pull a lot of life references from that movie because we watched it so much Listen, uh, as kids. Mr. Miyagi was great. Master teacher, man. Even though I'm realizing now as an adult, that movie was extremely racist because Pat Morita did not have an accent. No accent whatsoever. And they tried to make None him whatsoever. into this sage, like, dude, and he didn't talk like he that. He didn't speak like life. that. He was just... If I'm not mistaken, he was born in California. Yeah, it really didn't make sense. But at the time, I mean... At the time, it was a great movie. It taught a lot of life less. Daniel with the drop kick, the crane technique. Crane technique. And the final scene. I really, to this day, don't know like how that worked, that he just literally put his one knee in the air and kicked somebody. I don't really uh, know. But at my time, at that time, when I was a kid, I thought it was amazing. You're the best around. Nothing's going to ever keep you down. Okay, so... um. But on the same note, like similarly to like the pre-production and people just not knowing what it takes. Also, people begging to be on the show and then blowing off their time slot because I have had that happen as well. Like talk about so people being like, when are you going to have me on? When are you going to have me on? And like we go through this trouble to book them and put them in a time slot and we do all of this stuff in advance. And then you go to confirm. They're like, oh, I can't make it. I'm not going to be there. Something came up. And they're not even apologetic about it, not realizing that that not only throws us off from a production perspective, but also from an episode release schedule. Right. Because we record with the expectation that we're going to have a certain archive and a stockpile of episodes. And when we don't fill all the slots on our recording day, we might come up short because with travel and all these other things that we've had going on and our guests have had going on, especially especially over the summer, it's just hard to lock people down. People are traveling, whatever. Um, When people just blow off, like, oh, yeah, sorry, I forgot or I decided to work that day or whatever. They don't realize that it's problematic. And we've had one person who shall remain nameless who did that to us like three times and who still hasn't come on the show. 
Yeah. So it's just it's just annoying. People blow us off. I just like I just want to just roll up on like you mean like <laughs> you can't make it. Like we spoke about this like a month ago. Right. And we've and, and on the flip side of that, we've had guests who, you know, we've had a guest who had an emergency at the last minute and found someone to sit in for them. Right. So day of something came up and they were like, I'm so sorry I can't make it, but here's this other person that can do it in my place. So in that instance, like we get it, things come up, but like oftentimes the cancellations are not even for anything major. It's like, yeah, I just decided I'm going to do something else today, which is so, so, so annoying. Um, so yeah, I think that's it for me, just the scheduling piece and and people um, canceling. Right. But on that on that same wave, another question is, have we ever had a dispute with a guest? <laughs> uh, y'all can't see my face because there's no cameras. But yeah, we've we've had some disputes with guests. But I think the, the biggest dispute, well, I shouldn't even call it like big because we deaded it pretty, pretty quickly. But it was somebody who didn't even come on the show. Right. That's the crazy part. So this person was recommended to us to come on the show. And one of the changes that we made along the way, um, we've made quite a few changes. The first being recording several interviews on one day because we didn't used to do that. We used to just kind of schedule things as one-offs whenever people were available. And we just record these interviews all in the middle of the week. Like it was crazy. Right. Um, so one of the other changes that we we made along the way is that I used to do the pre-production call with people. So that that prep call to like get to know them and figure out their story and determine if they were a good fit, I would do that and then kick them over, kick them back to DeMarcus. So he would tee them up for that. Then he, they would talk to me and I'd kick them back uh, for scheduling and all of that. And we changed the process in that DeMarcus now talks to all prospective guests. Like, so I don't even really talk unless I just know them or I met them first. I don't really talk to them um, before they actually come on. So there was a guest who was supposed to come on the show who also happened to, did he have a podcast or like a cable? He, he had another show. Something, had a, I don't know. His own show. Clearly, I don't really care. But um, he had basically requested to have, he wanted me to come on his show and also requested a call with me. Now, he was... A last minute guest. It was like the week of. We were recording right. that weekend and he had asked DeMarcus to put him in touch uh, with me. Now, at the time, I thought that he wanted to talk to me about possibly coming on his show. I didn't know that him speaking to me was a precursor or a prerequisite for him appearing on our show with a recording day that was happening in like four or five days. Now, if anybody knows anything about me and my schedule, it's very hard for me to slide something in my calendar that quickly. Like, it's just, no, it's just not really working. So had we known that, we would have just said, okay, you don't come this month. Let's wait until next month until a time when you, right. and, you know, did you, when, until you've had a chance to speak to me. We didn't do that. So I'll let you take it from here. What happened? So what happened, I, you know, we were recording. Uh, we were actually recording one of our shows and I text him just to double check to see if, you know, to let, I think I text him to let him know that we were running over a little bit mm -hmm. late, but you know, he could still arrive. And, and he informed me that he wasn't coming because um, Delisha hadn't spoken to him and, you know, he felt disrespected mm -hmm. that she didn't take the time to speak to him beforehand and that, you know, that we were rude for not offering that courtesy and he didn't know who Delisha thought she was. Right. So then when I read this text exchange, I then get his number. Now, keep in mind, this is between guests. So I have like five minutes. And also we had production challenges that day because there right. was construction happening on the floor we were recording. So it was a lot going on. But I send him a text and basically say, um, you know, announce, introduce myself and say, 
hey, I misunderstood. I thought you wanted to speak to me and have a conversation about later coming on your show and just connecting about that. Um, I did not have any time this week to talk to anyone additional. And had I known that that was a a prerequisite for you coming on, I would have suggested that we schedule you at a later time. But my apologies. Clearly, I misunderstood. No worries. Wish you all the best. Um, and homeboy clapped back. Was also there was there was no misunderstanding here. I I, I understood clearly what this was. Um, and I don't know who you think you are that you don't you can't make the time to talk to somebody. And it just really kind of got out of hand at that point. And um, the thing that you know very well about me. Demarcus, oh brother, is that I can put words together really well. That's <laughs> what you do for a living. So I literally had to just take a deep breath, swallow, grit my teeth, and just let him have the last word because I felt that 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 read, like that complete, I'm about to just tear you to shreds, really rising up in my spirit. And that's not the energy I want to put out into the world. Um, so I had to just let it be and let him have the the last word on that. Why do people clap at you? Like, I know it doesn't happen a lot, but like, it's your job. What you do for a living is to argue and negotiate, right? It's what you spent your entire life training for. Uh, You went to school for, you went to a prestigious university, you went to a tier one law school. You do that every day in the city. Why do people feel like they could just come for you in the streets? It's like you wouldn't step to somebody who was like an MMA fighter that like (laughs) was born in the like the the, the Siberian tundra, been training all their lives, chopping down trees. Like you wouldn't just run them up on them in the street and like slap them in the back of their neck. What sense does that make? I don't know. But a lot of times I just, when people do that, like, I'm just like, I'm just going to let you have it. Like, it's not even worth the energy and the fallout for what I can say to you and how I can verbally annihilate you and also poke holes in whatever argument you're trying to make. So I'm just going to let you, you know, I'm going to let you have the last word. It's okay. And I literally just moved on with my day um, and we never spoke to that person again. But I'm sure it's a small world. You know, our, our paths will cross or at some point he'll realize that he probably should have come on the show. But it's all good. Your loss. <laughs> Your loss. <laughs> With the Hustle Man reference. Right. OK, um, so that covers that. And you've had other disputes. That's the only major one I, I remember. Um, Nothing comes to mind. Everybody's been cool for. Everybody's for the been most, cool, man. For the like, most part. We don't have we we don't have a lot of drama. We've had some. Right. Um, and most most of the drama is around people just not really understanding or knowing who we right. are as people and letting their own mistrust. You know what my my disputes haven't been with actual guests. It's been on recording days, just dealing with the run of show and things going on in the background. Mm-hmm. That's where all my disputes. Oh are my God. From. That piece, which I think one of the, the questions is about that, um, that piece can be a real real nightmare and sometimes you also have to just take a deep breath and walk away right. because people will try you they will try right. you for sure and and I've, I've said this before i say this all the time i'm gonna reiterate this i'm no i'm no goon i'm no tough guy i'm none of that but what i will not allow is someone to disrespect me in any type that's of in way. your blood though. like i just <laughs> will not tolerate you have that honest and I, like, you know, when I, I feel myself getting angry, the top of my ears get hot. And I'm just like, you know, we have come too far to catch a felonious assault charge. <laughs> and I think that, like, so much of the show is about be extraordinary on an ordinary day and rising above and achieving no matter what. But, like, people try us every right. single day. Like, we have to walk this out. And sometimes it means walking away Um because nobody's nobody's a punk over here. That's for sure. Right. I, I had a uh, dispute with a gentleman 
um, the day where we were recording that was making a lot of noise uh, within the space. And I had talked to him like, hey, you know, we, you know, we've got space. Uh, we got a few interviews. I understand you have to do a few things, but like, if you can, like, you know, just be mindful because we're recording on this side. And he just kept, it was like, it was a, my marching band down, downstairs. He was just doing whatever. And, and, um, you know, I went down there, me and Kevin went down there, my cousin who helps with the show, shout out to Kevin and Val. And, you know, I explained to him what was going on. He just straight up, like, cut me off. Like, well, I don't know who you talk to, but, uh, like, you just got to deal with it. And we got a space. And I'm just like, yo, yo, who are you? I looked around like, are you talking to me? <laughs> like, I don't appreciate this condescending tone. Like, like you're a teacher and I'm the student. Like, no. Well, I'm not trying to. There's no I'm not trying to. You've already done it. Like, right. And we're like, we're going to have to start this conversation over again, which he, he stepped down. But it's like, bro, I will snatch you out the Warby Parkers. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like we, we just completely went off twenty six or brand. Right. I know it's off brand, but like that that's where my heart is, right? But I didn't do it. Like it's right. off brand. I was being extraordinary. You may feel like that, but that's not can what we do. We're in a space. Uh we were in that space off the strength of someone else, a great relationship we had. I can't disrespect him and embarrass him. Yeah. Right. I mean, and I think that that's the piece that is sometimes lost on folks who think like, oh, you know, this is just a hobby that you guys have. It can be incredibly stressful to produce this show, dealing with so many different personalities, sharing space, um, being we've been double booked in space that we've had. So we're competing with other people who feel incredibly entitled and looking at us like, oh, like we're some charity case right. if we don't have a right to be there, um, which is a whole other dynamic um, that comes into play. Also, where we have to literally sometimes just walk away and say, first, I put people in their place, like, hold on, hold on, um, but really walk away and focus on the task at hand. So add that to the list of things that I can't stand right. <laughs> podcasting. Um but it's all a part of the journey and it's it all makes for great stories. And um, we don't drop names on this show when it comes to like negative things. But one day, like the unedited stories are going to be told. It's going to be like a behind the music episode for sure. It'll be 10 years from now. Yeah, exactly. When we have so much money, it doesn't matter. We can go into way more detail. <laughs> but I think, you know, certain communities, I always say this, are the community that we come from, the background we come from, the family we come from, we place a very high value on respect. Mm -hmm. uh, and I understand that respect is earned. Uh, it isn't just given. And I moved to the world where I show everyone the proper respect, but I expect those things in return. Right. Um, and I think certain people within different cultures and different spaces don't necessarily understand those concepts mm -hmm. and don't understand that there's real repercussions for not abiding by those concepts. Right. And I may be a 26er, uh, but I'm a, a child of uh, Roy and Barbara Jean Osborne, a grandchild of them first. <laughs> <laughs> we we do come from a family of fighters. Um Jesus loving fighters. Jesus fighters loves nonetheless. Um which which also serves as well. I think that's why we are tough and the resilient people that we are. Um, because we just grew up around people who just didn't take any junk. Um and never scared. Right. Never ever scared. Um so yeah. But but all, nonetheless, we've never had a, an actual physical altercation. Never. We've had some tense conversations, but there never even been like raised voices. Oh, we no. you know we keep it we keep it civil. Um, okay, so moving on to another question: What's a memory this past year that makes you smile just thinking about it? A memory this past year that makes me smile just thinking about. It. I think the gala. Mm -hmm. Um, putting together the gala and just executing it and everything coming together. Um. To speak on, you know, Roy and Barbara Jean again, it was like, it was amazing. Um, 
everything that we did was in the spirit of them, honoring them, the house on Stephen Avenue and their spirit, um, and bringing all those people together, being able to re- recognize, you know, some people making changes in Monmouth County and people who have impacted our lives, and then turning around and being able to have, you know, that backpack giveaway and give away, what, 600 backpacks mm-hmm. and provide food. It was just like an amazing feeling. I wish, you know, our grandparents were here, you know, to be able to see that, but it's, um, you know, family members were there to see it, but it's, it was, it brings a smile to my face to be like, okay, you know, we're helping to establish a legacy and the more deeds we do under, um, you know, this organization and this cause is the longer their names will live. Absolutely. And I mean, that, that was the highlight of the year for me as well, just the philanthropy piece. First, the gala, and I think people just being blown away at the caliber of event that we threw. Right. And it wasn't just um, coming in, sitting at the table, eating dry chicken and like reading a program and listening to people accept awards. We really brought in elements um, that reflect a lot of the events, the high end events that we've been to, brought them to our hometown and and showed people that like you can have a vision and you can execute it in excellence from the start. And so many people said to me, it's just not what I expected. It's just not what I expected. And um, they just couldn't believe that we actually did it. So that definitely put a smile on my face. And then what we did it for the actual um, back to school drive, I, I from the beginning was adamant that I didn't want it to be a situation where people came to a gym at a high school or came to the basement of a church to collect free backpacks and school supplies. Um, And people really didn't get that. They're like, "You, you got the bags, like just pass them out. Why are you doing all these other things? And I think because um, I know what it is to have to depend on the generosity of others and being in a situation where you're just there in in line waiting to get whatever is allocated to you. It can feel demoralizing, right? right? And I think I, and to take it back, you know, to the gala, one of the things we, you know, we honored Reverend Elmer and Mrs. Doris Jackson. And one of the things that they, they always served the community in a grand way. They gave to kids, they made sure that they were set up for the school year. They helped educate, but also they took kids to Six Flags and right. I went skiing with, with Mr. J um, when I was like 11 or 12. So they exposed us to other things. It never felt like charity. Right. Um, and I think at the time, and I, we may have mentioned this on an earlier show, I don't think I understood as a child what it takes to pull something like that off. So as we talk about the legacy of our grandparents who also did things with such little resources on an epic level. Nana was always planning dinner parties and pastoral banquets, all these all things, kinds of things. Um, and doing it at a certain caliber um, of an event. So coming into the backpack drive, it was really important to me that it didn't feel like charity, but it felt like an experience that the whole family could take part in. So I will never forget, like when we opened the gate and and let people in and those kids just took, like literally took off for the bouncy houses and were just running around like crazy. And then at the end, seeing kids just completely cotton candy. Candy and, and it was a few kids laid out, wasted, laid just, out in the grass with sugar on it. Just face. done. And knowing that we were able to do that at literally no cost to anyone who showed up and were able to serve kids and, and their families and have them really enjoy a great day on us. As hard as it was and as much as I feel like we're still trying to recover um, in terms of just our energy levels and stuff, um, all these months later, it felt every time I think about it, it just feels so good. And I, I just can't help but smile. I'm at what those families were able to experience. And hopefully that's a day that kids who may not get to go to the boardwalk or go to an amusement park. Um, hopefully that's a day that they remember right. as a, a really great day. 
And I, I definitely understand why people say giving is is better than receiving, um, because to me that feels better than like any other thing. If, if, I mean, you know, you always see people. Oh, you know, I did this this year. I went to the NBA finals. Right. I, you know, I took a trip here. I took a trip there. I went to, and all that stuff is cool. But to be able to say, look, I recognize some people in my community and gave them their flowers while they were living. Right. Right. Like, cause we all speak about, you know, these people who are impactful in our lives, but how often do we actually show actions of gratitude and recognize them? It's one thing to show up to someone's funeral. It's another thing to stand up in a room full of people and, and talk about how this person had an impact on your life while they're there in, in person and let them know like all their efforts were not in vain that it actually meant something right. uh, to you. And I mean, I know we talk about Reggio say so much on this show and it's one of my greatest regrets that, you know, he passed away and I never I had written a tribute about him after he passed, but we never had a conversation about how grateful I was that he walked in so much integrity and in a business that's so grimy right. and was willing to impart his wisdom to me um, without wanting anything in return, just being a completely um, genuine dude. And one of the things I'm trying to do a better job is, of is making sure that people um, know how much uh, they are worthy of that adulation while they're still here. We all, you know, wax poetic when someone has left, but giving people their flowers while they're in the land of the living, this, you know, this side up on top of the ground. Um, so I'm, I'm working on that for sure. And I'm proud of what we've done, although it was incredibly difficult. I'm proud of, of what we've done, we've done in that space. Um, anything you want to add to that? Nope. No. No. <laughs> um, okay. So someone asked, you talk about having a vision and writing it down. What have been some of the things that you've seen manifest after writing it down? Literally everything. Everything. Like, I've had the same vision board now. I need to update it and do a new one. But I've had the same vision board now for um, a few years. And I put the philanthropy on there. I put uh, my involvement of in media on there. Um, at the time when I did it, I was still just advising startups and working in entertainment um, as a solo attorney. And I knew that I was I needed to do something different and change the way my career looked. So I put that on there and... A lot of those things have happened, all of them, like from from that perspective. And then I have things on there that like haven't manifested fully like a family. However, I took steps in that direction this year, which I've spoken about on the show um, at length also. So I think those are things um, that have come to fruition. And I remember when we first started the show, just dreaming about getting to the 100th episode and when it felt so difficult in the beginning trying to conceptualize it and figure out what we were going to talk about um, and what topics to come up with. And now being at a place where we have uh, a pretty large pool of guests that we can pull from, prospective guests, as well as the way the show is just growing in terms of support and expanding the brand. Um, that was definitely on my uh, vision that I had written out that continues um, to unfold. So, yeah. What about you? I said the same thing. I mean, that vision board, I think we completed that vision board, what was it, like 2012, 2013? 13, somewhere in there. And I've still got it tucked away in the same thing. Um, a lot of things that are on that board, I'm actually bringing to fruition. And I realized, like, you know, when you set these goals, like, there's no, it's very cliche, but there's no like time span for that, for them to happen. They happen gradually mm -hmm. and all your experiences compound on top of each other and bring you closer to ultimately accomplishing that goal. So, you know, one of the things that um, I had on the board is that, you know, I wanted to be involved in media and being more creative and 
literally that's what occupies my time. That's what I think about the most now is actually how I make a good part of my money now is being creative. Right. Something that I've always been. Um, so, yeah, um, I think visual having that actual writing down your goals, having visual representations of your goals and kind of repeating yourself. And then, you know, in theme with the show, taking consistent action every day is like major. Yeah. And I think I've mentioned this on here about vision boards. It's not I don't think it's some magical thing, like because you, you paste some clip clip art or um, something you pulled out of a magazine onto a, a piece of cardboard that whatever it is you want out of life is going to magically manifest. For me, it is, to your point, just a visual representation. It's a reminder, literally staring you in the face of what it is that you want out of life. And it's something that I definitely revisit, um, both in the actual board itself. And then I have lists of goals that I've written in journals and stuff. And I look at those because on the days that I don't feel like um, taking certain steps, when I revisit what I have written and what I really want out of life, that is what encourages me to do it even when I don't feel like it. Because I know what it is that I expect my life to look like at some point. And if I'm not taking the action, um, divine intervention happens, right? There are things that just land on your doorstep and you're like, how did I get blessed in this way? We all get those windfalls or those moments that are kismet um, as well. But a lot of this comes out of just pure blood, sweat and tears. So seeing those visual reminders are, are, are what that's what prompts me to continue on the path and take the necessary steps for sure. For sure. All right. I'm going to punt to you for the next question. What were some of your favorite moments from this past year as far as guests coming on the show? Favorite moments, favorite guests. I have a lot of them, um, but one that stands out for me is getting Ashley Acuna on, founder of The Grapevine. Um, we, it took a while. It took, what, almost a year? It took almost a year to get on To the get show. her on. A lot of back and forth. A lot of back and forth. She was willing from the be beginning, but just scheduling, you know, she's really busy and has built an incredible brand. But because... The space that she's in, it's so similarly situated to us. It was really inspiring to see someone who has built a media brand from the ground up and really invested her own resources to start and did the work and relied heavily on her network. All the things that we're doing um, for her to do that and grow the show to what it is to the point now where she's in it full time. That was incredibly encouraging and, and incredibly inspiring for me, for sure. And I would say another person that sticks out for me is Kasara. Um, founder of Diaspora Travel and Trade, just because she comes from a lawyer background and really was like, I'm not for this big law firm life anymore and reinvented herself and discovered other passions and monetized those and turned those into an alternative career and a second act for her. So um, as somebody who does not plan to practice law forever, that was really inspiring as well. What about you? I think I'd have to piggyback um, some of the guests that you mentioned. I think Kassara was extremely uh, inspiring. Um, here's someone who did everything right. You know, she went to amazing schools, um, became a lawyer. I was a good lawyer, you know, working in private equity. Most people dream of like those types of jobs, making amazing money, and she just wasn't fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Didn't like the space, didn't like she, what she was doing, and she c completely pivoted and created a life for herself and a career, doing something that she actually enjoyed. And I think, uh, you know, just hearing her story is like motivating in my own personal life and my own journey that, I, that I'm on. And I also say um, Jean was one of... Uh, uh, another great guest that we had um, with a lot of great moments because he just was like sheer determination and sheer. will. 
um, and, you know, being wise enough to see opportunities and take advantage of those opportunities to take chances, not being afraid to fall on his face and just leveraging everything possible uh, to bring his goals to fruition. And I just love Gene. Shout out to Gene Alert, um, longtime fan of the show. I just love Gene's whole approach to manifesting the vision that he has from a, a relationship building perspective, from a diversified portfolio pr- perspective, how he supports other people, even right. if they're in the same space as him. Like he literally lives under the law of universal supply, which I live under, meaning that there's enough to go around. There's enough for all of us to eat. And he's someone that's willing to do whatever he can to help you and help your brand grow and really big you up. So shout out to Gene. Shout Good out people. to Gene. Big time. Good, great people. So I'd say, you know, from this year, those are probably, they stick out in my mind. I think also from this year, Al Hardy, big shout out to Al. He's doing amazing things with his merchandise um, and his work in Hillside. Just to see a man that was just at peace, who had been through so much um, and had done the work. A lot of people always talk about doing the work and developing themselves. Man, I have an appreciation for women and have an understanding and being at peace with yourself. And we all talk about it, but it's not a lot of people who are actually out in the world living and executing right. those things. And I think Al was a great example of someone who's actually done that, like him him and Jason uh, Rosario, who was a guest. Um, and and big out, big shout out, shouts out to Al because he still checks in periodically. Mm-hmm. Al's good uh, he's people. Good people, very accessible. So I'd say off the top of my head, I know I'm probably forgetting someone, but those, a lot of people, yeah. um, those were probably two, you know, some of the most memorable guests. And also it wasn't this year, it was around this time in 2018, but big Shout out to Aisha. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was a Aisha phenomenal, mm-hmm. phenomenal guest. I mean, my mind was kind of blown with some of the things that she was saying uh, during her episode. She actually made me come to some revelations about myself and made me realize some things I need to correct and what was going on with me. So shout out to her as well. Yeah, I think what I love about Aisha is she is able to communicate her points even if she doesn't agree with you in a way that does not come across as combative. And we were talking about relationships or um, how the genders interact with each other and all of those things, which came up in the the taping for our one year anniversary. She just has a way of communicating things where you have to take a moment and really think about it as opposed to jumping to opposition and opposition, um, a position of of being contrary. So um, Aisha's a real one for sure. Aisha had a great amount of tact and the things that she said came across as like, okay, I thought about these things and I'm saying this from a place of like logic and love versus like I'm attacking you. Right. Because exactly. a lot of times people, again, communication is key. It's not what you say necessarily, but how you say it. As a person willing to receive the message, you could be telling the truth, but the way you're going about it is extremely abrasive in the average person's like first thought is to throw all defenses up. Right. Because they exactly. feel attacked. For sure. Um, another question you want to ask? What would you say the biggest blunder of <laughs> 2019 was for the December 26th Biggest podcast? blunder for 2019? I mean, we haven't had a lot of them, which were like super crazy and we we bounced back. But it's probably two things. One was me forgetting the mics. One, um, <laughs> oh one recording session. Okay. So first and foremost, we often just keep the equipment in my trunk. Right. So because 
we do so much is needed. Um, unless I have to clean my trunk out for something, the equipment just stays in there. I don't remember what I cleaned my trunk out for, but I cleaned it out for for some reason. So I had all the equipment stacked up and then you had a shoot that you had to do. Right. So you came and took some of the equipment. Somewhere in my mind, I don't know, but I thought you had the mics, right? So we show up to our recording day, packed schedule, five people. And to make matters even worse, it was a Sunday, which is an important factor in all of this because it was like 8 a.m., and you were unloading the car and you're like, do you have the mics? And we realized that no, the mics were not in the trunk. Our first guest was coming at nine. And so that's not enough time to get all the way back from deep in Brooklyn where we were to Jersey, where I live to pick the mics up. And because it was Sunday, everything was opening late. So normally in those instances, and we've had to like pick stuff up before, right. but on a Saturday, you just run to Guitar Center the minute they're open and, you know, ask the, the first guest to come like 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes late, whatever, and we're good. But because it was Sunday, nothing was going to be open right. before um, like 11. So you're calling around to like church musicians that, you know, trying to uh, <laughs> find some church mics to use. And then I think I just looked up like the inventory on Target's website to see um, what mics they had. And then I found, I don't even remember what, it was like a Yeti mic or something and went to, uh, what was that, Atlantic Terminal? Like flew to right. Atlantic Terminal, get there. And of course, they don't have two mics in stock as the website indicated. They had one. Um, so we ended up recording those guests on one mic as opposed to two, because that's all we could come up with. So that was the first one. And then the second one is back to Ashley, finally getting Ashley on. And like we went out of our way to like set this up and make sure everything was straight and did some things that we don't normally do for a guest because we felt like it was a big win only to get her in and realize that camera was missing <laughs> one of the cameras card. was missing a memory card. Um, so, so the thing, first thing was, remember, it took forever to get set. And right. then Kev was just trying to figure it out. And, but Ashley had to leave. Like right. she had another event. So after an appointment, it was just like, we, we got to go with what we have. Go. So we were missing a whole angle on her because we were missing two angles. Yeah, no, two her. angles. And we couldn't find any memory cards. None of the camera shops were open because it's the Jewish Sabbath. Right. So everything was closed. It was it everything was, yeah. in the city was closed. But at that point, I was just like, I didn't even get upset about that. I was just like, okay, it is what it is. Let's just keep it moving and we'll we'll make the best of it. I think those are the only two like big blunders that we've had. So to pivot, has there been any times this year during the podcast where you were upset upset with me? Where I was upset with you? No. I don't think there's ever been a, a point when... I mean, we've had our moments where I've been like, oh, no, this is like you... So you, because you do all the pre-production, we have certain parameters. So like those parameters, there's some things that we're just not doing, right? right? We're not sending car service for people. We're just not that type of show. We're not... This is not the Oprah Winfrey show. We're not there yet. And we've had people ask for that. Where we've, you know, made a decision that like we just had to say, okay, you know, thank you, but no thank you. Or other things have come up that people have made requests or something that just doesn't make sense for us. People got whole riders. Yeah, like a rider, like... I need a bowl of M&Ms with no brown <laughs> M&Ms. Like we're Vice television or something. Um, But there... So there have been times where you've made certain decisions based on what you know are boundaries and parameters for the show to be. But in that instance, it might make sense. Right. So I'm like, you know, so we've had a moment where I was like, well, no, you should have come to me on that and let's talk about it because in this instance, it it may make sense for this situation. Um, But in terms of like, being like mad. I think the only time I was really mad at you, which had nothing to do with the podcast, is when you overslept for that shoot for Hosa. 
You remember that? Or we, we had to go to the church to shoot videos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like in the house knocked out. Yeah. You were calling like a million times. So we did, if if you don't, if you didn't come to the gala. So we not only did the docu short that we got a really like a lot of great feedback on, on our grandparents and like our origin story. But we did congratulatory videos, like montages for, for each awardee. Right. So each guest that we were honoring, we created um, we went out to people that they know and like mm-hmm. created these messages. So we had to like schedule these shoots. And one of which was at the church that one of the honorees attended. And so we had this window between like Sunday school and 11 o'clock service <laughs> to get these interviews done. And DeMarcus fell asleep and his phone died. Or I don't even remember. It was, it was on like, silent. Yeah, my phone, I don't I remember. My phone was on silent. I fell asleep. And the way my apartment is, there's no doorbell. There's no doorbell. And, and there's a, you need a key to get through the front door. Yes. And there's no doorbell. So she was just outside. I was like, just outside. What? In my defense, it wasn't like I was up the night before doing some <laughs> foolishness. As always, I was working. Yeah. That's why I was extremely tired. But it was just one of those things where like at that point, we both were just running on fumes. Right. And I think it was like the last shoot. And we just had to get this done. And I was like standing outside. You weren't answering the phone. And I was li- I was literally on. Yeah, she didn't speak to me the whole ride to the church. <laughs> and, you know, I think I apologized once. And after that, I was like, it just is what it is. <laughs> Which is so literally to our listeners who don't have not known DeMarcus for a long time. That's literally who he's been his entire life. Like once it's over and once he said, I'm sorry, like that's just it. Like yeah, it, it just is, which drives other people crazy. I guess it's the Leo in you. Right. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Please, it's that, <laughs> and I've known Delisha long enough, just leave her alone. Like, yeah, and that's it. Just I don't say, say sorry, right? And just give her a space and give her a time. She'll come back around, but like she'll probably be more annoyed if I continue Yeah, to talk, I'm not so. somebody that wants you to pander at all, but like similarly, similar to you being that way right. your entire life, my entire life is you just have to let me get over it. Like you got to just give me my space once you've apologized and I've said my speech. Peace, give me a moment. And literally there's a photo of me at one years old, me mugging after church because mom put shoes on me that I didn't want to wear and I was ticked about it. Right. And I was still mad when the service was over. I've just, I'm just, that's just who I am. I'm not holding a grudge, but you just got to let me work through my own emotions about what has happened. And when that piece is done, like most siblings, we just go get something to eat and it's over. Yeah, it was over. By the time we were recording, because we were laughing at the church after the interviews, they tried to, the deacons like cornered me, forced me to take communion. I ain't taking communion in like 15 (laughs) years. Brother, you want one of these wafers? I guess I'll take one. But we were just laughing. But I mean, that's just who we are as people. I'm not a person. uh, We don't argue. We don't. And some people, I think that's actually one of the questions. Has this podcast made us closer? I thought, I think we were already actually close to begin with. um, And it's made us closer. And, and, you know, we have disagreements here and there, um, but it's never an argument. And I think it goes back to what I said earlier. A lot of our relationship dynamic is like built on respect. People beef with their siblings. I, I just, I don't understand it. Right. And we've, I mean, we've had moments, like I, we had a moment, I guess, a few months ago. I don't remember what I called you about. And you were just super sleep deprived and snapped on me. And I was like, okay, um, <laughs> I was just asking. That is fine. Like, I'm going to let you go. It, it's, it's cool. I think I needed you to do something like log in. I don't remember. But um, 
And I was just like, all right, I can I can see that you are um, a little on edge. So I'm just going to let you go. And yeah. then you just apologize like right. later like, and that was it. <laughs> that was it. Like it wasn't nothing personal. I probably would have been up at that point for like 30 hours. Right. So and that's the thing is I think people ultimately a lot of times assume the worst out of people. And if you know somebody like, all right, let's put this in context. So, you know, my brother doesn't ever talk to me like that. Mm-hmm. So something has to be going on. This is not a regular thing. So I'm going to give him his space. I could jump out the window, but I'm going to give him his space. And nine times out of 10, he's going to come back and apologize anyway. Yeah, that's pretty much how it goes down around here. But I, I think, you know, well, people don't, our, our dynamic is a little bit different, you know, single parent home, you, you essentially helped raise me. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things like when you got a sibling that's he's six years older than me, six, it's and a little, half, yeah. six and a half years older than me, the dynamic is a little bit different because like I was six, you know, you were 12 going on 13. I was a teenager. You were already an adult. So it's like the level of respect, we didn't really become equals until I was like in my 20s. Like I was a grown man. But before that, there always had to be a certain level of of respect. And if I jumped out of line, it's like you were going to say something or a family member was going to say something like, don't. Like, don't do that. And it, it's kind of funny because to this day, it's like even when with Kev around and um, our cousins and stuff, everybody kind of defers because like you're the oldest. Which is I didn't really realize until my friends came around. I think it was first time that happened where my friends witnessed it was after like they came to Nana's funeral mm-hmm. and we were all back at the house. And it was just, you know, I, what I think is like our normal dynamic. Right. So I'm sitting there talking to my friends. And as each of the cousins came in, they just came over said hello greeted me and right. hugged me and like whatever um but my friends were like cracking up and they were like they treat you like one of the aunties like they just give you a certain level of deference and I was like, you know, I never thought about that, but I think it is because I am the oldest grandchild and I watched almost everybody, everybody um, at some point or another. So because I am, you know, it's a like bit older. Yeah. Right. You like the de facto aunt because mm-hmm. you what, like five years older than Mike? Yeah. So it always had to be, a, you know, you grandma sweet pea. It always had to be a level of respect. Because if people, what y'all don't know, you ran afoul of Delisha, you ran afoul of the whole family. <laughs> so it's a, it's a, it's a very interesting dynamic. But people are the same way with mom. At this point, mom is like the matriarch, the, the matriarch of the entire family. Mm-hmm. So it's like you run afoul of my mother, you run afoul of everybody in the family. Right. And, you know, different people will check other people in the family if they feel like they're being de- disrespectful to my mother solely because she's the oldest one and she helped raise all of them. Right. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's just culturally in our, our family, how it works. And people do have their disagreements, but um, for the most part, they come back together and they they work it out. But one thing I do think has um, evolved or probably intensified because we've done so much together through this show and especially in the last year is just mentally being aligned. Like when something's not adding up or somebody's talking crazy. We're sort of looking at each other, giving vibes like, what is going on right. here? Um, and that's in meetings for the host of fun on this show. Anything. It's just like we ch- we tend to be on the same page when something's just not making sense. And we may not react in the moment in unison, but afterwards we just kind of look at each right. other like, what was that? And Delisha knows if I just lean back in my chair and look up at the ceiling, silent, like, oh, he's angry. <laughs> and he's probably not going to say anything. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think just the 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 telepathy that siblings have, especially siblings who had to share a room at one point, is only grown through all the things that that we've done right. for sure. Um, but sh- shifting gears a little bit or a whole lot, have you ever dated somebody from the show? Nope. <laughs> 
I haven't, but uh, what's wild is I actually, I went out one time with uh, uh, one of my homeboys from college and he was meeting up with a girl that he was talking to and she had a friend there. So we were talking and I got a number. We was in movies the whole night, like went out to eat and I got a number. And then years later, she wound up being a guest on the show. But you never actually took her out. No, nah, I never actually <laughs> took her out. Like that's the thing in New York, you get numbers all the time. You just forget to follow up with people. But she wound up being a guest on the show. It's just like, we. I'm like, you look familiar. I think we met before. <laughs> Then I went my phone. I was like, yes, we did meet before because I still have your number on contact. Person, I know who it is, but person shall remain there. Right. Um, that was an interesting day. It was. I was like, what is happening? I didn't, I didn't know what was going on because you were just like, don't I know you from somewhere? And she was just like, mm-hmm. <laughs> now I know why, because you never actually called her, which is such a New York thing to do. One them personal, you just forget. Anyway, moving right I along. I might have been involved at the time. So why were you asking for a number then? It was a situation, <laughs> not a relationship. It's, that's two different things. Come on now. <sighs> okay, I'm just going to leave that where it's at. All right. I'm going to leave that right where it's at. I've never dated anybody from the show either, but I've been approached by people who've been on the show. People would be pulling up. Them jump shots right after the cameras go. So, like, what do you you be around? They do Laura. Where, where you where do you live? Right, you live? they start to tee it up. A couple of times has been a little creepy. Um, the intensity with which they try to pull up. But I, I have been out. Um with more than one person on the show. But I will say this, like, we have such great guys who come on the show. Many of them are taken. Right. Married or in long-term relationships or whatever. So that's the first thing. Like, when you're just highlighting so many well-adjusted, grounded men, many of them have are, have been in long-term marriages. Like, you know, found their soulmate in college or right. back in their 20s. It's just the nature of the beast. Um, but outside of that, I would say... One time I went out with someone from the show, but I wouldn't really would I really would not call that a date. I don't know what it was, but I don't think it was a date. I think we were just kind of chopping it up. And then um, I've been out with a couple of other people as well from the show. Um, and that that has been interesting. I, I, I will say I will say that. It's none of my business. None of my business. It's none of my business. Um, yeah. Let me just say this. Right. Like people think, cause I get this all the time. People are like, you have so many brothers on the show. How is it, how is it possible that you are single? It's very possible for the reason that I are already uh, mentioned, but also just because they've come on the show doesn't mean that they have it all together. Right. So like I've been in a situation where somebody has like approached me in the same way that a lot of dudes in New York approach people in that, like ask you out on a half date, right, first, and then invite you over to their home the next date, which is not the move, okay? Like, we haven't even really gotten to know each other. I know you came on the show and maybe decided to bear your soul, but it doesn't mean I'm coming to your house right? Um, for Netflix and chill in our second meetup. That's right. just not happening. But that has happened to me um, as well. And then, you know, I've, I've been out on... This is all news to me, guys. I'm I never told you that. Didn't know that. I'll have to tell you who it was after Stop. Um, so yeah, that has happened. And then um and then yeah, I've been out, you know, with people on the show and it's just been cool, but um, you know, I haven't there's not a romance that has that's come out of it yet. We'll see. Even though you said that you feel like I'm gonna meet my spouse on this show. I, I honestly do believe that. And I'm not a hater, man. I let people do their thing. Um it's really none of my business uh what my sister does and what she includes me on. And I'd rather keep it that way. Um because 
I don't want to like you. And then, you know, you run a foul and then I got, I'm negotiating on your behalf. Like we're trying to have a solidified front over here. <laughs> and I mean, you know me, you don't obviously don't know me in relationships, but you know, the things that I've told you. Right. And I think you can vouch for the fact that I'm a well-adjusted human being. Right. And I also have a lot more to offer outside of like my drive and the show and, and everything else. But people got to like stick around and see that. True. And I think, um, as a matter of fact, I was talking to Al and he brought this up and I never even really thought about it. He was like, man, you really should talk to your sister more about just women and relationships in general. Like you got all these resources and you're not using them. And I thought about it. I'm like, I'm, I've learned a lot just from the conversations that we've had about dating mm-hmm. and just living and interacting with you. Right. Like more so about how women think of a woman in your situation um, all the things that you do, um, who works in a tough industry that makes a decent amount of money, like how your mind ticks. And I think a lot of men have these assumptions that are not real or they overthink very simple situations. Right. Very, very, very simple situations. Because right. they, 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 their level of expectation is so high and they just make these assumptions rather than coming in and like, all right, you know, yeah, I've, I've had my experiences in the past, but let me just ask questions and get to know who this person is versus like, I know who she is, so this is how I got to act. Right, which just drives me crazy because I can guarantee you that you don't. <laughs> Right. You think you know based on a show and the, the the markers that you have, you know, based on whatever's out there or put out into the world, but you have like no idea. We were talking about this like a couple of weeks ago and you really turned up about it. I mean, I felt like you were my own personal hype man because you were like, you are the prize. And people need to recognize that you're the prize. Right. And I was like, whoa. And I think because of the day and age that we're in, um, especially dating in a metropolitan area, a lot of times women, like we just forget that because a lot of people don't function in that way anymore. And women feel the need to just jump through a bunch of hoops or do a lot of the pursuing um, to actually be successful on this path to be in a relationship. And, and um, that that idea that a woman deserves to be pursued and a man should move with intention is deemed or seen as like a bit old school at this point. But these dudes are idiots, right? I, I just, I don't, you know, as mom always says, you can't be out here expecting the most and be out here doing the least, right? If you want that traditional relationship as a man, you want a woman that's going to be supportive and submissive, not in a way of like, oh, you know, I just listen to whatever he says, but like give you deference and okay, you're the head of the household. Like you have to qualify yourself, right? Like to be a woman, that's what I learned from living with you, interacting with you. Women go through a lot and Mm -hmm. they got to be aware of certain things that um, the average man doesn't ever think about, right? So you're coming in contact with this stranger that may be six feet tall and 212 pounds. Like, first, I got to figure out who he is. Is he safe? Is he right. this, that, and the other? Just because I talked to you once for two hours doesn't mean I'm going to go to your house. Are you crazy? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> sidebar, this, I was talking to a woman one time in a bar in Manhattan, and uh, I asked her a simple question, like where she, where she like where she lived, and she was like, "What?" It was kind of extreme. Her face was just like, "What?" She got out. She said, "I don't know you. I'm not gonna tell you where I live, so you can show up at my house and turn me into a coat." 
<laughs> right? And like, I laughed, but she was absolutely right. right. Like, you know what I mean? It's a lot to think about that may, men may not be conscious of how they go about it. And they take it as, oh, you know, why is she being like this? But like, hey. Why is she, quote, playing hard to get? Playing hard to yeah. get. Like, no, nah, it's like a job interview. Like, you have to qualify that you're a good candidate, right? Because I'm going to give you something, which is myself, the value, my time, my effort. Like, want to make sure it's... I want to feel things out first. Right. Not just jump straight into it. And that may not be everyone's attitude, but I don't think there's nothing wrong for that, especially somebody like yourself, somebody I know who's uh, very supportive. Yeah. And I think, too, sometimes people mistake being text pen pals for like real connection. That's not and that's a whole bunch not of text messages. It. It's not real. That's not, it's just not real. Like there's, you can't interpret tone. Um, You're not really building. You're not looking somebody in their eye. You know, you're not having a real exchange. It's just literally a forever conversation uh, via written word. And I, I think sometimes people do that and they want a, a result as if they're doing more than that. And that just is not going to work. And I mean, I'm not saying I'm a person who needs to be on the phone with you every day because I don't have that kind of time. Like we're not in high school anymore or college where, you know, you spend up, spend half the night on the phone talking, but like it does what? take effort and sacrifice right. to get to know somebody in a very real way in the sense that they see you as a viable candidate and you coming on the show does not mean that you crossed that first hurdle. Right. And that's what I think people who've tried to hit me up just don't understand. Like, yeah, we had a great conversation. Um, and yeah, I probably know more about you than you know about me because of that hour. But it doesn't mean that you jumped the line. Like, Right. That's still not a conversation because that's an onstage conversation. Right. right. So, you know, you put the highlight reel. Yeah, you may have been vulnerable, but like, we're still, where's the details? You don't really, still don't know somebody right, in an exactly. hour and a half. Like, what's your behavior? Like, you could be on your best behavior, but like, thing is, it's those experiences and those interactions over time in person and on the phone that builds familiarity and paints a, a broad picture of who someone is. And then you can make the decision whether or not you feel comfortable with someone. But the key word is like the work and the time to get to that point. And a lot of people want to speed through that. And men, to be honest, men can do that in New York if they get, got all their teeth and got their life together right. on paper. Um, because, you know, it's a deficit. It's way more black women out here uh, than it is men's. And men know it, so they take advantage of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I got multiple Merry Christmas texts. <laughs> like, oh, where you been? Okay, it happens. And I'll have y'all know that I didn't send any toxic Merry Christmas texts, <laughs> you know, because I'm better than that. And here's the thing, like, I'll respond right. like, oh, happy holidays, Merry Christmas. But I see it as just that, like a greeting for right. the holiday and, and nothing more. Um, But yeah, no, no toxic, no toxic interactions over here. Um, But that's probably a good segue into this question that we got. What are you holding on to currently that's no longer serving you? Why are you holding on to it? And what's one step you can take to release it? What am I holding on? to that's no longer serving. Mm. I think what I was holding in coming into 2019 um, that um, no longer like serves me anything is I was like holding on to how people perceive me mm -hmm. um, and who people thought we are. And it's like, it's not my job to control like any of that or to even care because the path that I'm walking on and that we're carving out is like non-traditional. So none of those things matter. And all these unique aspects in my life that may contradict, you know, to you who I am are unique and what make me who I am and are actually propelling me forward to be a creative and to move in a creative space. So just to like let go of just like caring um, and putting an emphasis on certain things and just be who I am. So mm -hmm. I'd be more and more who I am regardless of where I am. Yeah, I think mine is similar. Um, while I 
some of my friends tell me they feel like I've never cared what people thought. Um, I don't think that's that's wholly true. I, I do and have been walking my own path for a long time. But I, I think coming into this year, I was still holding holding on to people perceiving me in a certain way and also um, deeming me worthy and right. worthy of in a lot of different areas. If you want to talk career, worthy of being paid a certain amount of money, right. worthy of being elevated, um, my talents and my my skills and attorney worthy of certain opportunities, my personal life, like worthy of being um, loved and accepted for who who I am and, and, and all this other stuff and feeling like I was using a lot of words to convince people of those things. Like, no, you, you know, you think that I'm not as smart as I as I am, but no, really, I am. And let me help you understand why. Or you think that I'm really tough, but I'm not. Um, And let me explain to you how I'm really easygoing and I'm actually a cool chick and all this other stuff. And now I don't feel the need to explain that to people who haven't taken the time to get to know me for me first. Because if you do that, it's going to naturally come out. If you see my work product, it's going to naturally come out that, oh, this chick is the real deal. And until that has happened, I'm not expending energy trying to change your mind with words. I'm just not. It's it's a it's a waste of time. Mm-hmm. It's the biggest waste of time. Um, I got this ongoing joke with Antonio. He calls me a Negro in a suit whenever I wear a suit because he was like, <laughs> "You just look like a goo." Or whatever, but my, you know, my resting disposition is like indifferent, right? Like as indifference, and that is threatening to some people. So you know, all my life, I feel like depending on where I was, I would go out of my way to be super friendly and do all these things. But like, I don't do that anymore. Right. I just am who I am, how I'm feeling. That that's just what it is. And if that makes you feel uncomfortable, that's on you. But I'm not bothering anyone. And anyone who has known me and has interacted with me, yeah, you know, I get a little smart sometime here and there, but. I don't have a reputation anywhere I have been for doing anybody wrong or being disrespectful anyway. So though I may be perceived as aggressive or any of these other things, that's not the reputation that precedes me if you talk to anybody throughout my life. Right. And I think on my end, it... um I'm perceived as just unbothered and not pressed. Right. And no, I am in a lot of ways I am not pressed. But for the people that I am invested in and who have taken the time to forge a relationship with me, I'm very bothered and very pressed in right. the sense that I want them to be good and I want the best for them. And I try to invest in those relationships to the best of my ability um, as well. But it takes time. You've got to till that soil. Like and people, I think, have expectations of what they want you to do, either because they're just not confident in who they are. Right. And they want right. you to make them comfortable or they don't want to put the en- energy and time into getting to know you. We live in, a, in an area where it, there are a lot of su- superficial relationships oh, and wow. our roots run deep and that's just not how we operate for the most part. So um, I think, you know, for me that I, I came into this year holding, holding on to that in some ways and now leaving out of uh, 2019 into 2020, I'm feeling very good about like just not having anything to prove to anyone in any situation. And um Things come together, as we always say, things come together as they should. So those people who are integral to my story, that's going to come together and they're going to put the they're going to put the effort in as well to get to know me for me and realize what it is that they that they that I bring to the table and vice versa. You know, for sure. Next question. Mm. Oh, next question. Uh, What's some feedback you've received uh, this year and how have you applied it? Feedback that I received this year um, and how have I applied it? One piece of feedback that I got over and over and over again this year. um, And I feel like I'm answering this question in a way where it's like, 
when they ask you in an interview, describe one weakness. Right. But it's true. Um, I'll do one related to the show or we can do one related to the show. Mm-hmm. I think you have a good answer to that. But for me personally, uh, one piece of advice that I got all year of feedback is that you cannot serve from an empty cup. And one thing about this year that was very unique to me is that um, I had a realization in the last few, like couple of weeks that there was not one day this year where I didn't work on something. Never took a vacation, took time off from the the thing that pays me to do these other things, but I never took a proper vacation um, where I went somewhere else and just laid by the pool or the beach or completely unplugged. Um, And I'm feeling that. I'm feeling that in my body. I'm feeling that mentally, emotionally, like a lot. You know, we've we've expended a lot this year um, in a lot of different forms. So that is a piece of feedback that the people that know me and care about me have given to say, hey, like you've got to recharge your battery. This is not healthy. And while I'm proud of what we've done and it's been awesome, this year has taught me that like you got you have to have time to just decompress and sort of reset. Um, if you want to be able to keep this pace up and the momentum going consistently long term, you got to have those moments where you step away from it all and, you know, just shut down and and make sure you're you're resting and, and relaxing. So that is probably the piece of um, feedback that I'm trying to implement uh, for 2020. And you've gotten feedback on the show as well that we've implemented, namely about just diversifying gifts. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, big shout out to Gene again. Um, Gene is... Amazing dude, as we mentioned earlier, but he mentioned that he just loves to change the pace and diversity uh, guests that we have. And we want to do more of that in 2020. I was just having guests that are outside of the box and you wouldn't expect um, because everybody has a, a story to tell. Um, and an interesting story. And it's interesting to hear how people have navigated their paths to come to where they are at their life, uh, at this point in their life. Like, for instance, I ran into um, Justice, which was a great guest that we had on the show um, at a dinner. And I was doing some work for a, a friend, uh, doing some videography with Kevin and had a conversation. I love the points that he have. Come to find out, you know, Justice was a, those who listened to the episode, he was Justice a, favor. He was a hustler before, you know, he started working in a union, went to prison the whole nine, turned his entire life around. But um, to, back to that point of all your experiences shape who you are and how you progress in life. And it turned about to be, uh, you know, a great episode and one of the more popular episodes that we've had. So again, just like, reaching outside the box and and the guests that we have um, and bringing different stories and seeing how people can draw for them stories. Or like, for instance, Muggsy, you know, um, you know, Muggsy, I was so interesting about him is he kind of downplayed going to school to be an accounting accountant. And he said, you know, his diploma was like an expensive receipt, but here he is an entrepreneur with the whole retail store in White Plains, like with all original clothes um, in it. And it's like part of probably the reason why he's been able to advance where he has is because he has the skills of being an accountant. Right. Um, and being on top of his books and understanding his finances. I mean, you know, just looking at him, you wouldn't expect, you know, nothing against Muggsy, phenomenal guest. But, you know, he was a chill streetwear guy. You wouldn't expect to say that underneath that he's an accountant. Right. Um, so just having these guests that are unique and aren't, you know, haven't been like the typical guests that we've had on the show and branching out and being more diverse. I think that was like some of the greatest feedback. And we'll continue to do that more in 2020. Absolutely. Um, okay. So who in your life deserves the biggest thank you? Um, who in my life deserves the biggest thank you? You. Oh, work? Yeah. <laughs> hey, what? 
Like, is that even a question? I mean, obviously, you know, mom first, because my mother is always um, being extremely supporting and supportive at this point. She's like DJ Khaled every time I call her, <laughs> like just chopping it up with me. I need to just start recording those conversations. If I ever decide to drop a mixtape, those are going to be the skits and interludes. Um, but you, of course, I mean, your continued unwavering support um, in all my efforts and your encouragement, your beliefs um, in my ability mean a lot because I know you you would never tell me anything um, just to be saying it. Um, everything that you tell me, any advice, any critiques, um, any opinions you offer in my best interest. And I think a lot of times, like, it's helped me in many ways, but more importantly, as a man, like a lot of us don't realize how important it is to have like strong people in our life, but more important, like strong women, because they're going to always offer a different perspective that you wouldn't normally see and see things that your male counterparts um, wouldn't see. And like, and also to be able to check my ego and take advice from a woman. Because some people, even though you're older than me, obviously wise and smart, some people have issues with that. Like, right. I'm listening to her. Like, I know what's best. But like, again, if a woman is in your corner, whether she's family or not, she's going to offer you what's in your best interest because she wants you to do well. And nine times out of 10, if you all got a good rapport, she probably understands it consciously or subconsciously that she's going to receive gifts from you doing well. Mm -hmm. And those gifts are not just like monetarily, they're all kind of gifts and good things that will come back. Like it's self-fulfilling. Absolutely. And like, well, thank you, brother. But also I think, um, and I've said this to you before and I've said this publicly, that I think people are starting to see your genius, right. but like it's just brilliant in a lot of ways. And I say this all the time. People are always like, oh, I said it. I said it at the, the year anniversary dinner right. and I'll say it again. This show only works because you exist right. and you have the talents that you do and you put the time in to really not only make it work, but conceptualize ideas. And I think people don't realize that, like, we're talking about sets and how we want everything to be set up two years from now or, right. you know, down the line um, as well. But um, one of the things that I, I appreciate about you is you're down for an idea. Like, if it makes sense right. and it's like, hey, you know, I want to do this podcast. <laughs> do you want to do it with me? OK, like, let's let's see what we, we can make happen. And um, also just enhancing it, taking it from one thing. I, I tell people all the time, I'm the talent. Like I come on the air and I talk and I ask questions with uh, the branding and picking out the highlights of the show and coming up with ways to promote and ways to simplify this process and the video and the sound bites and the guests and who might be good and who episodes should be released. Then that's like all your world, all of it. And to think that it started with you being like, what does a producer even right. do for, you know, a podcast? So it's the reason I probably would have not, I wouldn't be doing this. We, we probably would have quit or I would have quit at episode 32. Right. <laughs> or somewhere in there um, if I didn't have you working on it. So, yeah, as you mentioned earlier, shout out to our mama because she's always been pushing us to be the best that we can we can be. But you have literally been in the trenches with me, not only with this show, but giving back to the community, often to your own detriment and your own sacrifice in a lot of ways that people don't know um, and helping to build something amazing. And I think you're like super unassuming a lot of the times. 
I think you're figure, you know, you're you're coming right. into your realization now and having confidence in your abilities and your talents. But I like I literally I feel like I can see what this is going to be in a few years in terms of what your life's going to look like and the brand that you're going to have. And you're going to be like one of those international men of mystery where you just do a lot of things. And people are like, I don't know how Matt gets his money, but he has a lot of it. Right? Right. <laughs> I know he has that podcast and that media company, but there's a whole lot of other things going on that we're just not clear on um, because you're depth and breadth of talent is just so vast. So thank you to you for coming on to this like concept and enhancing it and making it into something great and making it into a movement and always thinking about ways to make it better and figuring out how to make connections in a way that your introverted sister is not very good at. Right. Because <laughs> that's the other thing I think people don't realize. You're more of the extrovert out of the two of us. You have your introverted ways too. Right. Um, I sit in the house three days by myself if I can. Right. But... But you know when to turn it when on. To turn it on and make it happen. Um, and I, I think I do too. Uh, do too to an extent. But um, yeah, this this really doesn't work without our our unique uh our unique talents and our distinct capabilities, but also the fact that we are aligned in terms right. of vision and passion and what we want out of life. And I think when you put all that together, that's when the magic happens. Right. I think a lot of people. It's like I read Dapper Dan's book, and he. That was one of the things he highlighted. He was like, just like ego. You always have to check your ego. And I think we, everybody has an ego, Mm -hmm. but I don't feel like I have an ego when it comes to you and working with you. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, it's my sister. I'm going to be taken care of. I don't have to be on the camera. I don't have to be in a mic. I have to be none of the pictures. I don't have to get any shout outs. Anything that you do, I know I'm going to get a piece of it in some way, shape or form. It's going to come back to me. It's going to be beneficial not only to me, but our family and our community. So whatever efforts, whatever I got to do, I got to give up in the present. I know it will pay off somehow in the future because it's always paid off. right? Right. This isn't something that started in the, you know, last year or when this podcast first started. I've seen it my entire life, like from day school to high school to college to law school that, you know, any time someone in our immediate family, our family or our circle advances or any time you you accomplish something, things come back to people within that circle. So why would it be any different now? Which is what it's all about, really, what all this is about, like legacy. Right. You know, Um, but you mentioned the future. What are you excited about? Man, I'm excited about a lot. I feel like... um, This year, I really tapped into some talents and getting more comfortable uh, with my talents and, you know, building out business and building out the brand and like the wonderful things that we have in the works. Like, I can't wait. I feel like this is going to be a very pivotal year. You always say we kind of been in beta um, for the show is stealth mode, but I feel like we're actually catching steam and we have a routine and we have it down packed and we know what we need to do uh, to advance the brand. Uh, and advance the ideas that we're putting out into the world. Absolutely. I mean, mine's really the same. I think I have uh, struggled in the past with just, with just being out on front, front street with everything that I'm into. Um, but I'm at a point now where I feel zero need to dim my light in any way. Right. And this is who I am and I'm multifaceted. And I think part of that comes from having a serious legal career, right? Um, and trying to figure out how to 
merge that world with this one. Um, but this is a piece of me and it's equally as important as the legal piece. And people just need to understand that. And if they can't get with it, they just don't get it. They just don't get it. And that may not be where I need to be professionally. So I'm excited about that coming more out of my shell and just being on front street um, with regard to the things that I'm passionate about and promoting this message of being extraordinary on an ordinary day. Also, I'm excited about just appearing on other shows and we have some ideas about other kinds of content that we're going to be doing, micro content outside of just releasing podcast episodes every Tuesday. And that started um, with the Faith Grind Inspired podcast, which just dropped with Dr. Jean Alert. I appeared on there recently and like talked about things that I don't normally talk about. Um, So that was good and that was refreshing. And I'm just excited to see how the show grows and the movement grows and the caliber of guests that we're going to continue to have. Because the guests that we have, they may not have had, they may not be household names, but we've had some amazing people come on with amazing stories. So I'm excited about continuing um, to share that with our audience. And I think, you know, not to pivot the conversation, but I think that it's actually more meaningful to have um, people that are not household names Mm -hmm. and that highlight these stories. Like um, a lot of times, you know, I watch a whole lot of interviews. Um, I talked with Brandon, shout out to Brandon Weaver Bay, a lot about this. But, you know, if you follow an artist or a celebrity or personality, they have PR coaches and it becomes a routine. You've seen one interview, you've seen all interviews because they hit certain points. It's like they are candidates on the campaign trail and they're giving a stump speech and they're giving the same speech in every city. So I think it's a lot refreshing a lot of times to hear from someone who is still um, accessible, mm-hmm. right? Somebody who's not like a superstar or a megastar or establisher, they're going to give different tapes. And oftentimes it's more relatable. It's more relatable to talk to a Jason Rosario or Chadwick Robeson or John Burnett than like a Diddy or Sean Carter, because these people are megastars, like and billionaires, like they haven't lived regular lives in 30, 30 something years. Yeah. And I think too, we, you know, we do want to come become the show where people come, even if they are well-known names, right. to, to show vulnerability and maybe give an interview in a way that they haven't before. However, one other thing, one of the curses to being able to pull in big names, you have to deal with a PR person right. who's going to tell you, ask about this, don't ask about that. This subject is off limits. This is what they want to promote. Stick to the this script. Um, and we don't have any of those limitations at this point, which allows for really organic conversations. And um, we have the ability to allow the discussion to evolve and however it's going to evolve, which um, I've surprised us on occasion in terms of the direction that the conversation has taken. So I'm excited. I'm excited for what's to come. I'm excited for the things that our guests are doing. And I just think sometimes a decade from now, these people who we have on today, where they might be in life. And we can say, oh, we met them back in 2019 or 2018. They're a friend of the show. Right. Um, so I and feel like we're all evolving and growing together. Right. And then we can circle back and have a second or a third and a fourth conversation and compare that to the first conversation we had and see how they may have changed or evolved or right. have new perspectives and new experiences and grow with these people. And I don't think anybody has come on this show and said, oh, I'll never deal with them again. Right. For the most part, people have become friends of the show and, you know, friends of ours on some level or acquaintances or people who are cheering on, cheering us on. They hear about things that they think might benefit us. They make the call or send the DM like you guys should check this out. So um, I'm proud of the network that we're building in the family of 26 years. And I'm just looking to see how things unfold in the next year um, as well, because I feel like we've grown and we've evolved a lot. The team has grown. And who knows what it'll look like when we have this conversation again uh, at the end of 2020? Who knows? Any parting words? Any parting words? Um, hey, just continue to put the work in, everybody. Whatever your 
you're doing, uh, continue to take uh, consistent action. Um, I was watching a Ryan Leslie interview uh, recently, and he said something that was very poignant. He said, mundane tasks have long-lasting effects. So, you know, it's not fun setting these mics and booking these guests and shooting shooting this content and editing. Sometimes it's a lot of work and it's like a thankless task almost. But um, I've already seen within this two years, it's not like we got hundreds of thousands of subscribers, but the mundane tasks, the mundane work that goes in this podcast, I've already reaped benefits and made discoveries about myself and my talent and being able to impact people's lives. Yeah, in a very real way and inspire them to start things um, or revisit dreams that they might have tucked away and, and forgotten about. Right. For sure. So, um, yeah, just stay consistent, set the appropriate boundaries, have the right energy around you, which is so important. Life is hard enough. And if people are not adding to you and they're taking away, you you got to figure out how to draw a line. Get them up out of there. You know? So one of the things that we've been joking with our mom about for the last couple of days is staying sucker free in 2020. Uh, no, yeah, sucker free in 2020. You could take that literally or figuratively, but if people are draining you of your energy, your time and your resources, they're not giving you anything in return if that relationship is not quid pro quo and you're the one that's coming up on empty at the end of it, might be time to reevaluate whether that's the right situation. So um, there are a tribe of us who um, are trying to lift each other up. Find your tribe for sure. And just keep going. Even if nobody knows your name yet, even if you feel like you don't have the influence that you want to have, even if your life looks nothing like what you thought it would look like. I think we are living witnesses that a lot can change and a lot can happen in a short amount of time. And it doesn't mean that everything does a complete 180 and things are perfect, but any sort of change and transition should come with clarity. And every chapter of your life should bring a greater glimpse into the direction that you should be moving in and what you've been put here to do. So if you don't have uh, any of that yet, start to do what you need to do to set the appropriate boundaries and make the appropriate changes so that you create space uh, to be able to see the vision clearly for you. And it'll unfold. It will unfold slowly, but surely it will happen. And you'll start to see your life take shape um, step by step into what it is that you desire. So continue to rock with us. Thank you, the listeners who've been with us, especially those who have been with us from the beginning, who listen consistently, say it all the time. We would not have a show without you. You need listeners <laughs> to have a podcast. So a we appreciate you. We're here to encourage you. We want to see you be well. We want to see you do well um, and keep rocking with us in 2020. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Ashe. Ashe, Selah, amen. Amen. Uh, it shall be and so it is. So it is. We done? Word. We are done. So after all that, listen, we need you. We're going to start posting more content, doing more things. Follow us online, December 26th or on all of your social media platforms. If you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, but you're into it, go ahead and hit that button to subscribe so you get the notifications when we come uh, come up with a new episode. Tell a friend, tell a friend's friend, tell your auntie. We have aunties, uncles, all kinds of people kinds from of people. various generations who listen to the show. Let them know about it. And as always, remember to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Take care. Peace. Thank you for listening to the December 26th podcast. I am your host, Delisha. This episode was produced by Demarcus Adisa and music was provided by Thova. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at December 26er. That's December 26ER. 